Hello, everyone. How's everyone doing? Good? Are you guys excited for spring break? Yeah. Luke, I like, we need a new uh, spring break hype man when Luke leaves, so you gotta train someone to do the uh, spring break. Um, <coughs> so spring break is gonna be really fun. Uh, it always is. I really look forward to spring break. It really is the best week of the year as we talk about that's not just words we say, it really is. Um, we have some great speakers uh, this year. One of my personal favorites, uh, Chuck Madden's gonna be there. I love uh, learning from Chuck. A uh, lot of fun, a lot of games, a uh, bunch of stuff to look forward to. The food is always great, so um, spring break is awesome. Uh, just take it from me, it's great. Hope to see you all there. Uh, one of the things I really look forward to about spring break, it's kind of a, a smaller thing, but I really cherish it, is the basketball. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't get to play basketball that much anymore, but I, I love basketball. It is the greatest sport. There's no question about it. Uh, it is, sorry. <laughs> um, but I, I've been playing basketball pretty much my whole life. Uh, even when I was a little kid, I had the little Fisher-Price basketball hoop, and I was like dunking in the backyard and thinking I was all cool. And I played all the way, all the way through high school. I uh, didn't play in college. But high school, so high school is like the pinnacle of my athletic career, and it's past now. But I look forward to spring break for that reason. Uh, now in high school, what we did uh, for basketball, and I think a lot of schools do this, is for the assembly where they announce the sports, uh, they have one in fall, uh, winter, and spring. Uh, for basketball specifically, if you're on varsity, you got to take a basketball and line up at half court, and when they said your name, you got to run up and make a layup. So it's kind of cool. Um, and for, for senior year, uh, my, last, my last year playing basketball, we, we were doing this, and so we're all lined up at half court. And I've made a 1,000 more than a thousand layups in my life, so I'm not worried at all. I've missed probably a thousand layups too, but I, I'm not worried. You know, I've done this before. I've played in front of crowds before. No sweat. And so we're preparing for this thing, and, I, and I'm looking out over the crowd, and I went to a big high school, so there's over a thousand, I mean, more than a thousand people there, but again, not worried. But I'm looking at the crowd, and then I see her. Yeah. Front row, my crush. <laughs> Now, all my years of basketball experience, gone. Can't remember anything. I'm like Stanley in the office trying to remember how to dribble. And, <laughs> and, and the stakes are high because this is high school. You know, maybe she was the one. You know, maybe she would be telling our kids someday, yeah, I really, I really fell in love with him when, when he made that uncontested layup in the gym. That's, that is when I knew that this was the man for me. Um, but if I miss it, I'd be single forever. So it was, <laughs> it, was, it was a really big shot, and I was getting really nervous. And this is varsity basketball, so no one is missing their layups. And, and we're lined up alphabetically, so my last name starts with an S. So I'm kind of in the back, so I'm watching, and everyone's making it. And this is, again, varsity basketball, so people are doing like these little up and under things, and everyone's making their shots. And I'm just thinking, you know, if I have to, if I have to just stand there, set my feet, and just pop it in, I'll do that. I just gotta make this shot, because she is watching literally front row. <laughs> and so I'm getting nervous, and I'm kind of giving myself a pep talk on this. I'm like, come on, Siri, you can do this. You, you made a bunch of, you on varsity, varsity basketball. You could do this. Um, and finally, they call my name, and I run up, and I go for the layup and clang it right off the rim, and I miss it. <laughs> the whole school starts booing. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the best part of this whole story is the very next class, she's in this class, and she sits right behind me. Um, it's my physics class. It was my favorite class in high school. It's right why I became an engineer. Uh, and so I love I love the teacher, but but he liked to play around with the students. And so he came up to me before class and he kind of like raps on my desk, and he's like, "I heard you had some trouble at the assembly there." 
she's right behind me, so she has a front row seat for all this. Now, <laughs> there is a lesson in that besides high school is horrible. There is, there is, a, <laughs> there is a lesson to learn, and, and the lesson is that in life, we get to choose our audience. Um, you know, we, we get to choose who it is that we are ultimately seeking our approval from and who we care sees us when we do things. You know, for me, uh, in that gym, my crush was my audience, and even though there was thousands of other eyes watching me, all I cared about was that she saw me make this layup. And, and we all do this all the time. You know, we have parents that we put in our audience, your peers, professors, maybe someone in this room, a staff member, another person in challenge, whoever, but we all pick our audience as we go through life. And there's a second part to this lesson, too. Uh, who you choose really is going to change how you do things. And again, you see it in my story. Uh, before I noticed she was there, I was totally calm, not a care in the world. And then when I saw she was there, it changed the way I did things in a very bad way in that case. Now, for me, there wasn't much on the line except some high school humiliation. And uh, I mean, no one, no one remembers this story. You all do now, but you're sworn to secrecy. so. But the Bible makes it clear that as we're trying to walk with God, as we're trying to live in such a way that we, we please God and, and we're walking, you know, living in the kingdom like we're talking about, uh, if we choose our audience incorrectly, there, there are consequences, uh, severe ones. And we see that from Galatians 1.10, which is right up there. This is Paul speaking, and he says, Am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And you see right there, if your audience is the people around you, if you're just going about things trying to please other people, you're actually not serving Christ. You're, you're missing out. But this is a very difficult thing, I think. Uh, we're all drawn to this idea of pleasing other people. We all kind of light up. There's something inside us that when people praise us, we get excited. Um, you know, we, we love the idea of being seen doing good things. Uh, I certainly do. I, I do this all the time. Uh, and actually, I would say that if there's one thing in my Christian walk that is the hardest for me, it is this exact thing. Uh, I really struggle with this. Like, even as I stand up here, I can feel these desires inside me wanting to look impressive in front of all you and look like I, I know what I'm talking about and gain the respect of the staff members. I mean, Neil and Jeremy are here, the people who have mentored me, so I want to prove myself to them. And these desires are, they're not good desires, but they're, they're there. Um, and, I, and I have to admit that they are. And I imagine that you would all say you have felt similar desires in certain situations. But there is danger in this. Uh, elsewhere, the Bible calls this kind of thing the fear of man. And it's the idea that you care more about what people think than anything else. And that just kind of fuels everything you do. What, is, what are people going to think of me? How am I going to look? And it talks about that in Proverbs uh, 29, verse 25. The fear of man lays a snare. There's danger. It's a trap. It draws us in. This desire that doesn't seem bad on the outside, but the desire to be seen and it draws us in and it can really mess us up. So it's something that we really have to address as we're trying to live. Because in this case, the stakes are high. You know, if we choose the wrong audience, which is, in this case, any audience other than God, we're going to miss much more than a layup. Yeah, we're, we're going to miss out on all the things, or a lot of the things that God has for us. And so Jesus addresses this very thing in the Sermon on the Mount, which is what we've been looking at for the past four weeks or so. Um, and Jesus, Jesus has spent all of chapter 5 telling us about what happens as we live in the kingdom of God. And again, the kingdom of God is where, whenever and wherever his will is being done. And, and Jesus is trying to tell us how his way of living 
can transform our lives. And if you've been following the narrative, it really is this amazing and wonderful way of life. It's one where we can stop saying, you know, what boxes can I check and instead kind of have heart change at a, at a deep level. As Chris wonderfully shared with us last week, we're not content with just saying, oh, at least I'm not cheating, but we're trying to address, address lust and things on a deep level. And it changes our heart. We start to see markers in our life of change, the beatitudes that we talked about. Meekness, a thirst for righteousness, mercy, peace. And not only that, it gives us a life of influence. It makes us salt and light in the world. So it's this wonderful way of, of living. And hopefully, as we've been going through this series, you're thinking, yeah, this is, this is something I want. This is what I want to do. But, you know, Jesus knows our hearts. He knows that we have this desire inside of us to be seen and to be approved by other people, the fear of man. And he knows how easy it is for us to fall into this snare. And, you know, to do things not from a desire to please God, but from a desire to please and impress other people. And so in Matthew 6, to start off this chapter, Jesus, it feels like he kind of slams on the brakes a little bit in this message that he's giving. And the first word is beware. Take a look at Matthew 6, 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. See, beware. Beware of that snare that Proverbs talks about, about falling into the trap. Beware of trying to behave like someone who is following Jesus, but you're only trying to impress other people. Why? Because there are consequences. Jesus says it right there. There's no reward from your father in that. Not some reward, not a little bit of reward, no reward at all. And so all the things that Jesus has finished talking about in the previous chapter, you know, we can, we can miss it if, if we go about things with the wrong motive. And so to illustrate this behavior a little more, Jesus gives us three examples on what this looks like in some everyday situations. And the first he talks about is giving. And so in verse 2, he says, Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Now, I don't know about you. This is kind of a humorous image to me, the idea of people walking around with these giant trumpets. I was talking to Zane about this verse last week, and we were trying to imagine what this look like? Do they have like a little minstrel following them and they give a signal and then they blow a blast on the trumpet? I like to think of Dora the Explorer and she has that little band of, you know what I'm talking about? She has a little band of like a snail and a frog kind of playing a little melody. Yeah, exactly. Whenever she does something good. Uh, now, I don't know what this looks like, but um, it's fun to think about. Uh, the, the point is they are drawing attention to their giving. They are making sure that no one around them will miss them putting their money in the box. Now, I have not seen many of you with trumpets. Um, I'm not here during the day, so maybe you have them and I've missed them, but I don't think we do this, but I do think a lot of times we do draw attention to what we're doing, to how we give, to other things. Uh, you know, we're a little more sophisticated now. We have Instagram and, and Snapchat and Facebook to show off how much we, we give and all the good that we do, but we, we do this, and, and Jesus uses a very powerful word to describe these people, hypocrites. And this word, it is a Greek word, and it comes from the idea of um, actors in a play, and they would have different masks, and they would play one part with one mask, and they would switch and play another part with another. And, and so the word here, it really is trying to get to the meaning of you're playing a part. You know, you're, you're acting like you want to give, like you want to bless others, but in reality, you just care about yourself. Um, you know, it kind of puts a different spin on that. 
And, and Jesus says, you know, really, it doesn't matter if anyone sees you giving. Your audience is not other people. It, it's, it's God. And so he shows us this in, in verse 3 to 4, and he says, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees what is in secret will reward you. See, the point is not to be seen. The point is to, to give, to bless others. And see, in this case, the, the audience is God. It doesn't matter if anyone sees them. God sees. Now, does this mean that when the offering comes around, you have to be really sneaky and not, not let anyone know and kind of like throw it in there real quick? No, no. Uh, it means when you give, you should give just to give. That's it. No one is around, you should still give. And if a lot of people are around, you, you should still give because giving is a good thing to do. And also, does this mean when someone praises you, should, you should just tell them, hey, shut up, I'm not looking for praise. <laughs> no, that's not what this is saying. You can, <laughs> you can graciously accept praise, but your goal is not to get praise, and that's the difference. The goal is to give, to please God, because God is your audience and no one else. You see, when you're doing this, the motive matters. The motive matters. It's the same exact behavior. They both give, but the motive is totally different. And there's something really fascinating to me in this passage that I think trips us up. Um, if we take a look at the whole thing, now who in the passage gets a reward? They both get a reward, right? And you might say, well, Jesus, you just said there's no reward for the people who are doing things to be seen by others. Well, that's true in a way. There is no reward from the Father, from God. But there is a reward for the other person uh, they get praised. They get exactly what they seek, which is kind of interesting, isn't it? I think this is why this is so dangerous. Like, there is a reward in doing things to be seen by others. You do get seen, and people will praise you. And that can be, if we're not careful, almost intoxicating. It can be exciting. Again, it, it pulls at us in that deep level where we love to be praised by others. Um, and I'm sure some of you are thinking, like, I often think, hey, that sounds like pretty good reward to me. I mean, I, I, I like being praised. But again, if we read on, if we see this as a whole, you're missing out on the other reward. You see, the, the reward of praise has a large cost. You know, you, it costs you that opportunity to have a changed heart. It costs you that opportunity to be sought in light. It costs you to really get out of giving what it's really meant to do. It's meant to bless others. And instead, you just get praised. So if you settle, you're going to miss out on stuff. Now, Jeremy, uh, next time we talk about this topic, is going to talk more about laying up treasures in heaven and all that. But for now, suffice it to say that if you have a choice between a reward that God is giving you and a, a reward that humans can give, I think we want to choose the reward that God gives because he's God. You know, he's all-powerful, all-loving. He knows what's best for us, and that's going to be a much better reward. Jesus continues with another illustration on prayer. And you see that it's going to hit all the same notes. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Again, they're making sure everyone around sees that they're praying. And truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. People see them. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Again, same thing. The point is not to be seen while you're praying. The point is to pray and connect with God. Jesus goes even further into prayer in the next verse. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard. For their many words, they want to be seen, they want to be heard. 
I've done this before. I've been in a, a prayer circle, and I haven't been listening to the other prayers, but I'm thinking about how can I say this eloquent prayer with all these different verses? You know, I, I do this very thing. And, and, and Jesus is saying, no, that's not what it's about. Again, don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask them. And then he shows us what prayer is all about in the next verse, which is one we've seen before. I actually talked about this the very first week. Um, so I'm not going to go into detail on it. Uh, if you want to hear more about what this verse is all about, please uh, listen to that, that message. But the idea is, you know, Jesus is reminding us, this is what prayer is really about. It's not about being seen. It's not about being heard. It's about aligning yourself with God, reminding yourself of the truth that we need him in our lives. Our audience is, is God, and that's it. So it doesn't matter if other people see us. And lastly, he uses the example of fasting. Same thing. Do not look gloomy, gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Again, it's the exact same thing. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And you see that Jesus establishes this pattern of how it goes, and we can literally just take out fasting, take out prayer, take out giving, and plug in anything you can think of, serving, loving, uh, worshiping. We're going to sing right after this, Heart of Worship is a song all about that kind of thing. Um, but there's this pattern that, that, that is established, you know, and it really is a good picture of Proverbs 29:25. Here's the full verse now. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be safe. You see, the fear of man, it is a snare. It, it does entrap us, and it causes us to, to miss out on the rewards that God has for us. But the one who trusts in God, the one who says, you know what, I'm fine that God has seen me, and I know that God will take care of me, and that God has... His, his reward for me. I don't need anything else from other people. They, they avoid the trap, and they have peace, and they have safety, it says here. Um, it, ultimately, it, it shouldn't matter who sees us do these things. It shouldn't matter who sees us walking with God, because God sees, and the truth is it is more important what God knows than what people think. It is more important what God knows than what people think. You can fool a lot of people. You can look amazing on the outside, but you can't fool God. He knows your heart. He knows why you're actually doing these things, and he knows that if you're doing it just to be seen by other people, if your audience is other people, that you're missing the whole point of these things. You're missing the point of the kingdom of God. It's not about us. Um, and if you're, if you're not careful, you can start to become like what Jesus describes in Matthew 23. Um, and this, this next verse, uh, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the scribes who are kind of the poster child for the hypocrites in the Bible. And he, and he says to them, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, See, they're, they're fooling people, but within, you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Now, that's a kind of grim example, I think. You're, you're a tomb, but I think it's pretty accurate. I mean, if you think about it, you can look so great on the outside, but inside, you're just full of selfishness and a desire to, to be seen in all these things, and it, it's not that great. And I, and I don't think any of us in here would say, yeah, I really want to be a tomb. So, hopefully not. <laughs> so how, how do you work on this? How do you, how do you 
start making progress so that you're more and more often than not choosing your audience to be God and not people? How do you start, you know, responding when you do feel that pull of the snare of the fear of man? Well, as I said before, I struggle with this. This is, again, one of my, again, probably my biggest things I struggle with. So I have a lot of very fresh stories about this and how I deal with it. So I'm going to share one of those with you right now. Last week in Challenge, I was sitting right back there, and I was sitting next to Stephen, and Stephen had a, yes, hello Stephen. Stephen had a, a, a guest from out of town, and he was, the guest was asking, what do, what do you do in Challenge? And so Stephen's like, oh, so we, you know, we gather, we worship, we'll pray, and then Jeremy or Neil will speak, and then we sing again. In my heart, I was like, wait a minute, Eric also speaks. <laughs> in fact, Eric is speaking next week, and you may not be here, but I do speak, so I, I, they, they trust me to speak, and I'm competent to speak. Me, 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 me. And so as I'm driving home, I was like, dang it, I'm literally talking about this this week. Um, but it's, it's real. It's there. I mean, it's a desire that bubbles up inside me. So what did I do as I was driving home? Well, the first thing I did is I confessed to God. Uh, we, we have to confess this because it is sin, and, and we have to take this very seriously. It doesn't feel like sin sometimes. It's like, oh, no, it's not a big deal, but it, it is. It is not the right thing to do. So we have to take it seriously and confess. And so that's exactly what I did. I said, God, you know, that was, that was not right. That was not a good desire. That was not the right thing to think. Um, will, you, will you forgive me for that and help me to, uh, to do better next time? You know, confession is really important in this kind of thing. Take a look at 1 John uh, chapter 1, verses 8 through 9, it says, if we say we have no sin, you know, if you think, oh, this isn't a big deal, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you see, confession is important. We have to take the time to address this with God and, and address it appropriately as sin, because that is what this is. After I did that, I, I took some time to evaluate my heart. And I think that one of the, the big, I don't know if it's a skill, I don't know what you would really call it, but one of the big things uh, that is good for you to learn how to do is, is really evaluate yourself and figure out what is really going on behind the scenes. Why are you really doing things? What is the motive behind this? Because uh, it really reveals a lot, and it's hard. Uh, you know, Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10 talks about how deceitful the heart is. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Uh, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. So, you know, as you're, as you're trying to evaluate your heart, as you're trying to figure out what am I really after here, you're going to need God's help. And God can help because he sees everything. He sees into your heart. So I did that, and I, and I thought to myself, you know, God, what I'm, what I'm really after here is I want to look good. I want people to know that Neil trusts me to talk up here to all you guys. I want people to, to think that I have some kind of status because I'm up here talking. Uh, and that, that was what really was in my heart last week. Um, and, you know, God can change that. God can change our hearts. Um, but we have to take the time to see where we're at and evaluate ourselves. Elsewhere, Paul would call this being sober-minded, kind of knowing yourself and where your heart is. And so you confess, you take the time to evaluate your heart. And the last thing is you remind yourself of the truth. Um, Jesus did that very thing when he was talking about prayer. He said, don't do this. And then he told us why and reminded us why prayer is so important. It's all about connecting with God, reminding yourself of our place with God. And so we have to do that. We have to remind ourselves, what is the real point of this action? What is the real point of doing this? Again, for me, it's, you know, the real point of me being up here is trying to just 
share my experience and share the word as best I know how. It's not about what I look like. If you leave here and don't even remember who said this, that would be fine. It doesn't matter. What matters is that truth is, is expressed. And so I went through that process, and it was really helpful. And I'm going to go through this process again when this happens again, because I'm sure it will happen again. Um, and something to note here that I think is really helpful for me to hear and remind myself, this is a tension to manage. It's not a problem to solve. You're not going to wake up one day and be like, oh, I don't care about what anyone thinks anymore, and go along th with the rest of your life. That's probably not going to happen. I'd be very impressed if that did happen. Um, this is something you're just going to have to manage as you go through life. It's going to bubble up, and you're going to have to address it, confess, evaluate your heart, remind yourself of truth again and again and again. I certainly have. Um, but the good news is, if you do this, you really can start to make progress in this area. And so to close tonight, I just want to share a story of uh, an area where I have made progress in this particular thing. So I became a Christian, as many of you know, my sophomore year here at USC. And the next year, my junior year, I was asked to join ministry team, which is our student leadership team uh, here at Challenge. It's called MT for short. And I said, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, Jeremy asked me to join. I thought that would be a great opportunity for me to learn and grow more and start figuring out more how to how to really live a kingdom-centered life and a life that was pleasing to God. That's something I, I really genuinely wanted to do. So I joined ministry team, and uh, MT at that time met on Friday mornings at 8. So every Friday morning we would, yeah, you guys have it good now. <laughs> we would meet Friday mornings at 8 on campus, and we would, uh, one of the things we would do is we would memorize verses together. And uh, Neil every week would pick a new verse for us to memorize, and we would get together in a little small group and, and review the verse together. And my small group was Jeremy and this guy named James. So we, uh, so as, again, I was a pretty new Christian. And for me, to be honest, my, my perspective on memorizing verses wasn't quite there yet. I, I didn't really understand the importance of, of and what it could really do in my life. But I did know that if I had a verse memorized and I could recite it, that I would look good. And, and Jeremy would say, hey, good job, Eric. You know the verse. Um, and it wasn't malicious, like, ha I'll show Jeremy. I'll trick him. That, that wasn't the point. It's because I really respected Jeremy and wanted his approval. And I still respect Jeremy. Um, and so it came... <laughs> so it came from a good place, but ultimately, ultimately my heart was really just seeking his and James's praise. And so what I would do is Friday morning, I'd wake up nice and early, take out my verse card, and cram all the way as I was walking to class, or to, to MT. And I would have it done pretty well. I would hope and would cross my fingers that Jeremy and James would say theirs first, so I could hear it one more time before I had to say it. And I would say it, and I was decent at short-term memory. The verses aren't that long. Uh, this is a true story. I'm not <laughs> Sorry, Jeremy, it's true, though. <laughs> I would... I would say it as best I could. Um, wouldn't always get it all the time, but would get it a lot of the time. And, and Jeremy would say, hey, good job. And I got exactly what I was after. Praise of other people. My audience was Jeremy and James, and they, uh, I was able to please them. And then I would leave the meeting and forget the verse. It, it was gone. And then I would wake up the next Friday morning and go, oh, my verse, and do the whole thing all over again. Um, you see, my heart was not in the right place. It wasn't seeking to memorize this verse for the glory of God, to get to know the, the word better. It was just trying to please the people around me, to, to look like I knew what I was doing, to look like I belonged in MT. A lot of insecurity because I had just become a Christian as my first year. So there's a lot of that going on. And summer comes around, and there's no one to uh, review verses. There's no one to praise me anymore, so I stop. 
I didn't memorize verses at all that summer. And that was kind of the pattern throughout the next two, two years or so, just kind of starting, stopping, knowing how many verses I knew, though, so I could always say, ah, yes, I have whatever, 100 verses in my verse pack and look all cool. Um, but really, again, my heart was seeking the praise of other people. So now we fast forward to two years later. I have just graduated with my undergrad, coming back for grad school. And I did Project Impact, which is an awesome experience. Project Impact is wonderful. I learned so much. But one of the biggest takeaways for me that year was verse memory. We spent some time with this pastor named Seth, Seth Gatchel. A lot of you have heard Seth. He's spoken at Spring Break and FDC. But Seth shared with us uh, during Project Impact, he shared with us uh, his method for verse memory. And for some reason, it was like I heard it for the first time. And again, I'd heard it many, many times before. But that time, it was different. And at a heart level, it's like, yeah, I want to do this because I want to get to know the word better. I want to get to know God better. I don't care about anything else. It's between me and God, and I really want to have this in my life. And so as genuinely as I could, I pursued that. And there is, I lived up on Solo in the time, and there's this other guy living up on Solo, Remington. Uh, yeah, Remington. <laughs> Remington will enjoy listening to this later and hearing that cheer. Uh, <laughs> But Remington and I woke up uh, every morning at 7 a.m. and we reviewed verses. Now I know that we were not doing it to be seen by others because no one at Bonsalo wakes up at 7 a.m. <laughs> All right, well, not at our time, no one did. Other stuff go on at Bonsalo according to that video, but no one woke up at 7 a.m. Um, and we, we, memorized, we, we, we memorized our verses, we reviewed, uh, we shared, like, I memorized this verse, I'm struggling with this. We prayed together. It, it was this really fun time. There was no posturing. There was no trying to prove ourselves to each other. It was just an audience with God trying to memorize verses together. And if you think about the two stories, the behavior is exactly the same. Exactly the same. A group of guys getting together to memorize and review Bible verses. But the heart is completely different. The heart is completely different. And the outcome as a result of that is completely different. You know, because I started noticing as I, as I was doing this, as Remington and I were doing this every morning, my heart started to change. And I started to get a more, more of appreciation for the word of God and more of it in my heart. And the Beatitudes that we talked about, they started becoming more apparent in my life over, over time, over that year. And, and not only that, um, people did see us. I don't know how. But people saw us, and one of the guys in Bonsalo started memorizing verses again. And by the end of the year, we actually found out that there was two other teams or partnerships in Bonsalo, or not in Bonsalo, in Challenge, that were memorizing verses together. And they say, oh, it's because we heard that you guys were doing this. And I don't know if there was like a mole in Bonsalo. I don't know how they heard. <laughs> I, I didn't tell anyone, but it, it got out. And, and we were salt and light to other people. We were able to encourage them to do this, uh, not... Again, not because we said it, just it just happened. And I think, you know, that was really God. That's his reward. That's what Jesus is talking about in these passages. And let me tell you this. I am so glad that I got God's reward this time instead of people's reward. You know, because, again, while the praise of other people is nice, it, it dies real quick, and then you just want it again and again and again. But God's reward really has lasted. And some of those verses... I. All of those verses I still know, but some of them are, like, really important to me. I mean, one of them is actually Matthew 6, 2 through 4. I memorized that, that, that during that period, and it's really stuck with me. Um, so I share this because we have, to memorize, we have to realize the truth. If we're choosing 
people as our audience, if that is ultimately who we're trying to impress or trying to do these things for, if we're just walking with God to impress other people, it will not last. It just won't. It's just as Robbie said at FDC, external religious activity not born of internal love for God will not last. And it's true. It's just a whitewashed tomb. You know, it looks really good on the outside. And on the outside, you can't really tell a difference. It's the same exact activities, giving, praying, fasting, in our case, memorizing verses. But inside, there's no substance to it the other way. There's no substance as you're just trying to do it to be seen so that you get the praise of other people. It really just strips it of all the meaning that God intended. But the other way, you can change your heart. Well, God can change your heart through that. You can be salt and light. God can really use that in your life. God can really reward you through that and give you this amazing life that Jesus has promised as he's talking about the kingdom of God. So as you're going about this, as you're going through your day and you're trying to, as best you can, serve God, love God, do things as a person in the kingdom would, uh, remember this. Remember the snare. Remember the desire that's deep inside all of us. And as it comes up, address it. And remember, it's more important what God knows than what people think. And if you can remember that and live that out, confessing when you mess up and, and, and continuing to do that, wow, God can, God can really do something amazing in your life. He has in mine, and he has in many people in this room. So let's do it and see what God does. I'm going to pray for us, and we will continue worshiping. God, thank you that uh, you know our hearts. Uh, you designed us. And God, you, you know that a lot of times we do struggle with this. It is difficult for us not to want people's praise. Um, and you even say in the Bible to encourage each other. So praise in of itself is not necessarily a bad thing. But God, if we're just seeking that, you know that it's empty. I pray, God, that we would just be trying to give glory to you. We would just be trying to serve you and doing things for you. Because you are ultimately the most important thing in our lives. And you're the one who matters God and you're the one who sees and you know and we can't fool you so God I don't know where people are I don't know how difficult this is for them but I imagine that uh, there's a level of struggle in all of us so I pray God that you would just really help us you alone can change our hearts so please uh, today just help us to make progress in this area God help us to realize that you are the best audience and you are so good to us and so loving and so so giving thank you for an opportunity to live in your kingdom at all thank you for the words of Jesus and, and, and saving us through him. We love you, God, and we thank you for all you do. In your name, amen.